I? Oh, okay. Yep. You go for it. So let's do it again. Uh, hi, this is Staying In with Emily and Kumail. And um, guess who I am? You're Emily. And guess who you are? I get to be Kumail this time. Oh, yay. Um, we should do an episode where we switch roles. What would... I, I definitely would be, am not going to do your voice. You could do... No. <laughs> but you could do my role. I could not do your role. You could. No. You're... Because you're the... Because you can be funny, but I can't be like the extremely therapeutic, empathetic... <laughs> You can. You're this very is, good at this okay, stuff. Okay, good. Thank you. You took, are. Took you a while <laughs> you are, to argue with you are that. Surprising, you are surprisingly good at this stuff. Why is it surprising? Because um, I went to school for this for a long time, and you often will come up with stuff that's quite similar to what I would have said. It's and just something you, would, you said to me five years ago that I remember. <laughs> well, then I'm excited you're listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> May not always look like it, but I am. Uh, do you huh? know what you do? Well, I'll say something to you, uh-huh. and it'll be like, a good five minutes will go by. Uh-huh. I'll ask a question or I'll say something random that's happened to me uh-huh. and you'll respond a literal five minutes later. Uh-huh. I've already moved on. I've been like, well, he wasn't here for that. There was one time because <laughs> what happens also is I'll just be, I'll just say something out of nowhere and you're like, what is that? And it's, I've been having a conversation in my head. That's the part. Of, it, it sounds like you're responding sometimes aggressively to someone who has said something to you in my head i've had a whole conversation and then you'll be like and that's why we can't go get barbecue later and you're like um what happened yeah (laughs) you once asked me what it was like inside my head and i said it was a (laughs) series of lines it's a series of people waiting in long lines was exactly what you said because there are those moments i have this where someone will say something or i'll see someone do something and suddenly i'll just i'll hear a literal click in my head and i'll be like okay that person now like snaps into place for me i get them right it's like theory confirmed that's the (laughs) that's the bit we used to do when you'd hear something about someone like their like backstory or something oh that that girl that woman has uh really always loved horses like like, to a psychotic degree yeah like yep Theory confirmed. Theory confirmed. That makes sense. And so, so did that make sense to you more when I said that my head was yeah. just a people series of people waiting in increasingly long it lines? It gave me empathy for you, and it also kind of let me see you as a. And we'd been married for like what seven years when yeah. that happened, at least. Yeah, we were married. Oh, a while. when you when you had that, because yeah. I was like seven years. It's been longer, honey. It's been longer. Uh, I will say one thing. We, sorry, what were you going to say? I was gonna, we're a married couple. We do a podcast together during the quarantine, and uh, we don't mention it every episode, but. Uh, every bit of the proceeds from this podcast go to charity. They do. Um, we make no money off this podcast. We're not looking to. We're looking to help ourselves uh, cope with this and also right. help you. And the charities are? Uh, funds for Disaster, Feeding America, and Restaurant Workers uh, Community Foundation. What I was going to say about the series of lines in my head is, you know this. Uh, I'm sure. Have we talked about it on here? I have like a lot of FOMO all the time where I always think like about the next thing, about the next thing. I'm never like being in the present. And that's during this whole time, that's been like very challenging is being in the moment where in some ways the moment, you know, this was a big shift I had a little bit or a shift I'm trying to do. I kept being like, it's hard to be in the moment because there is no moment. This is like a pause. And then I was talking to my friend and he said, this is life too. Like I have friends in New York who call it the pause. That's what they call it there. I'd certainly been thinking of it as like a hiatus from life in some ways, like, and then life will return. And I've been thinking about it like that. And he said, no, this is life too. What's happening right now? Us stuck in our house, not being able to go outside, having to wear masks, not able to work, all that stuff. 
this is part of life too. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of, even though it sounds very obvious, it was mind blowing to me because the last month and a half I have been in like, all right, let's tread water until this is over. Yes. I, I think that's kind of how I felt about my life for quite a long time when I wasn't kind of doing things that I really, that were fulfilling to me was that I felt like I'll just keep my head down and get through this. And, uh, I think eventually realizing like this is like my life. When was, when were you feeling like that? Uh, years ago, many years ago. Um, and I kind of had this thing of like, oh, like I, my life's kind of going by if I'm doing this, if I'm quarantined, right. if I'm out there like dancing, I don't know, <laughs> dancing. Uh, so that was kind of a shift for me. It was realizing I kept being like, I'll just, I'll just keep my head down and get through this. And then being like, the, this I am referring to is, is my current life. Right. And like, we can't, that doesn't mean like, it means we have to kind of readjust what living is, especially in this point in time. But you know, one of our episodes is actually called the end of FOMO, but you're <laughs> right. So I, I kind of think but, what but you're I'm talking saying... about is not FOMO exactly as much as like, uh, self like being in the like being in the moment right yeah like you're not yeah. worried about like parties you're missing that's not what you're talking no no about. no that's what i'm saying i'm yeah. saying that it's been hard for me because <laughs> in a way it's been good for me actually in that we've talked about this in the end of fomo where i was always looking to the next thing and now we don't know when the next thing is happening but yeah. it also does cause me a little bit more anxiety like for instance this week i've had sort of a tough week in terms of how I've been feeling, right? And mm -hmm. I think part of it is I have to, we've talked about this personally, where I need to feel productive, like I'm doing something. It's very hard for me to just sort of hang out and be. There's a lot of guilt for me associated with that. And I did, I would say, probably waste many years of my life after... Uh, but waste them doing what? After college. Well, I just was like in a job I didn't like. I was doing stand-up at night and that was great, but I really... So it, what's not wasted in your rubric of like feeling productive because you were doing stand-up every night? But I wasn't really moving that much. Like I would do stand-up and I was getting better at it, but I wasn't writing as much as I should have. I remember the worst feeling of going to a show, looking down and being like, oh, I don't have any new jokes that I'm excited to do. And I remember that being like an awful, awful feeling. And then when we moved to New York, I was like, okay, I don't ever want to feel that. Anytime I do a show, I wanted to feel, I want to look back at this moment right now when I'm looking down and not finding any new jokes I'm excited to do. I want to look back at this moment and not be able to relate to it. So when I'm when we moved to New York, I really was like writing all the time. And that's when I started sort of feeling productive and engaged again. It also just happened to coincide with you coming out of a coma. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, but that period between college and us moving out of Chicago, pretty much that whole Chicago period, I felt was, I just didn't feel very productive. I wasn't doing anything. So, so but what I'm saying is this week's been harder for me because the stuff that we're working on, it's sort of like we're now waiting on other people to give us notes or thoughts or whatever it is. We're sort of in a holding pattern. So Monday and Tuesday, today's Wednesday, I didn't like do as Today, much. You're listening to this on Thursday. You're listening to this on Thursday. <laughs> I mean, we get it hot and fresh out the yeah. kitchen. So hot and fresh. Like 12 hours after we record, Absolutely. you guys are listening to this. <laughs> so like yesterday, Tuesday morning, it was like 9 a.m. I was like, I don't have writing to do. I don't want to like work out right now. I was like, I'll watch a movie that makes me feel good. And for me, that movie was Alien, <laughs> which I know not the best time to watch a movie about a thing we don't understand trying to kill us. Sure. 
but I find that movie comforting. So I watched it and I did find it comforting. A daytime but, watch of Alien is also interesting. I know. Yeah. But then by the end of the day, I was just really, really, really down. And I felt very low energy. And I realized like, oh, it's because I haven't done anything that I consider productive today. And to me, I feel... Um, I feel like even though writing and working takes energy from me, it also gives me energy and I do need that energy. Let me ask you this question. Mm -hmm. Which one needs to change? Your mindset about what productivity means or your productivity? <laughs> I don't think it's time to reinvent the wheel. <laughs> I don't think... I'm trying to play to my strengths during the weirds. I'm not trying to like, like have any breakthroughs. Camille, look at this box. It's like Someone needs to work on this like box. You're so, you're like, Camille, you're always so close to having the right <laughs> message. And instead, you go exactly the wrong way. Like, you understand? The answer is, I need to be working harder. <laughs> well, that is, that is what my answer right now is. But if you don't have, if you literally don't, and not because you're not a talented and in-demand man, but if you don't have work to do in this moment, does that just mean you have to feel like shit? This is what I'm confused about. Uh, uh, yeah, the math is <laughs> not in my favor. <laughs> That's why it might be good to have a couple of other options for things that help well, you yeah. not feel like shit. Right, yeah. right. So we went on a walk yesterday. We hadn't gone on a walk in a couple of days. Yeah. That that helped With our me. masks on, thank you. Yeah, with our masks on. The other thing I found was that, that bummed me out. So what I usually do is, you know, right in the morning and then when I work out, that sort of like divides up the day. And I found yesterday as I was working out, uh, I always try and like push it a little bit and I couldn't do it yesterday. I just couldn't do it, which is totally f fine. Like you shouldn't actually do that because you might get injured. So even with the workout, I didn't feel like I, I just didn't feel like I accomplished anything. And by the end of the day, and it's different because you do have work to do mm -hmm. and I don't, mm -hmm. but this wasn't coming from Emily's working and I'm not working, which does happen too. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you'll be doing something and I'm not doing anything. And then I feel a tremendous amount of guilt. For me, <laughs> this was so bonkers because for many years I was like sitting around being like, maybe I'll be a voiceover actor. <laughs> do you yeah, remember that period? I do. And you were like working constantly. And I was like, Oh, I no. guess I could take a class. <laughs> well, you you did, and I and I I did take classes. We've talked it about was this, not good. but there was a little. You have a great voice. <laughs> that little period where you sort of were didn't know what you wanted to do it or was pursue. Post therapy, I was I was a freelance writer, and I was I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. That is correct. Yeah, <laughs> for me, that I remember feeling very helpless and feeling very bad for you because you didn't know what you wanted to do. Yeah. It was just, it was just, I, I just wished I could do something to help you, but I also knew it was something you, you had to do on your own. Yeah. I also was, I mean, at that point, had we, st we'd started Meltdown. So I was running. Were you, really? But this was before pretty, Meltdown too. that's true. I, there this was, was around Chicago, right? Around New York. Uh, I mean, <laughs> It was more in L.A. than it was in New York. New York, I had a job the whole time. But uh, you didn't? Okay. Yeah, I had a yeah, I had a therapy job, and then I left that field and worked in a comedy club briefly. Very, very underling job. Yeah. I wrote the um, press releases for the comedians that were coming to town. And uh, uh, don't get me <laughs> wrong. Some of the comedians were real pieces of shit. It was hard. So I would have to watch stand-up of uh, comics I knew, comics I didn't know. I learned a lot about comedy during that period, uh, just in general. But... Um, it's hard to like sum up 
and write in a paragraph what someone's comedy is about. Like that's very tough. Uh, witty observations about life and marriage. Like, <laughs> what oh, are you? My God. I remember writing one for Mark Marin, and this was pre WTF days. Uh, and I was a big Mark Marin fan already, but it's hard to write about him without making him sound like a downer. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. He's cynical. He's angry. He's yeah. got some thoughts. He sits uh, down on stage. <laughs> But that was my whole job. And then I would have to post those listings in all the like websites of yeah. New York. It was, it was a, a great job. comedy club. Yeah. And uh, we, you know, I would do shows there. It was really, really fun. We made friends there that we're still friends We with. met Jonah Ray through that. We met Jonah Ray. For the first time. Matt that Myra. Job. Yeah. And, uh, but we're also friends with someone you actually worked with. Brian. Brian. Right. Yeah. Brian was kind of my boss there. That's yeah. true. And um, we, we, we play video games together still to once day. a week. Uh what weird thing made you cry this week? Let's let's get into that. Okay. Um, why don't you go first? Okay. I feel like I've been talking. How have you been feeling this week? So so last week was a very intense work week. And so this week I've just been kind of like, oh, it's okay. I can kind of like breathe again. And like I've, I've not been working as much. And I've kind of just been like sitting around. And to wit, had a near religious experience, I think on Monday morning. I walked into our kitchen. Our kitchen has a window um, <laughs> that looks onto, we have a very like postage stamp, like a little thing in front of our uh in front of our house. And I look out the window and there's a tree right there. And I was like, well, that looks like a big squirrel. You guys know I love squirrels. Oh. Uh, and I leaned over to look. You haven't, you haven't met an animal you didn't want to befriend. <laughs> That's true. You come on <laughs> so was, strong. Oh, I scare the shit out of animals all the time. Yeah. I, I, I'm the one who's like, I love you at the end of the first date. And they're like, ma'am. <laughs> hey, ch- hey, chill out. This is a Wendy's. So <laughs> You know how I get swirlies in my eyes when I look at chocolate? You, every you, animal. For every animal, swirlies in your eyes. I don't make eye contact with people. Uh, so yeah, I, I was like, oh, that's a weird squirrel. And then I kind of looked to the side and it was a hawk. An actual, beautiful, majestic, large hawk that was sitting in like perched in a tree just outside our window. And I went, oh my God, oh my God. And I just started crying. Uh-huh. I was crying and sobbing and screaming, you're beautiful, you're beautiful. <laughs> and the hawk And the hawk is me. like, this is a first date, ma'am. Yeah, the hawk like tilted its head to look in at me and was like, uh, can you calm down? And then he flew away. And that is the end of my hawk story. But here's what's interesting about the hawk story. My sister who lives in Florida, um, lives in a tall building and she she has had a hawk that's been flying around uh, the top of the building. And my parents, who are in North Carolina, have also had a hawk in their backyard recently That's they've taken photos of and sent me photos. That's how I knew what the hawk looked like. Um, so I'd like to think that the hawk is flying around the country visiting members it's of the, the Gordon family. It's the Gordon totem. <laughs> it's the same hawk. But what, that's what I'm thinking. It's a sisterhood of the traveling hawk. But um, what bums me out about it is that he might have been here to eat the small creatures that I have been loving and taking care of in our front yard. Right. So, but, but he's got to too. They're still around, right? Yeah. The birds are still around, the squirrels. I figured Hawks out a way to eat. use a, um, a binder to a binder clip to keep the squirrels from tearing the lid when off. When did of, you do this? Like a week ago or so. I've seen them in there. Listen, so here's that part of the story. I went out <laughs> I went out yesterday and he had taken the binder clip and just thrown it. It would be great <laughs> if you just saw the binder clip on a on a just a stack of paper that said like how to outsmart Emily Gordon by Rupert E. Squirrel. <laughs> Although we as we know, female squirrel. Female. Ru- yeah. Well, lady named Rupert. Mm-hmm. 
a cool name for a lady. Yeah, had just like very angrily... They don't quite get human names. No, you no, know, no. they haven't figured it out. <laughs> well, they were assigned that name when they came here and they're like, this is not even, what are we doing yeah. here? Is this uh, just for these people? Yeah. Okay, fine. Do you not know how to sex a squirrel? <laughs> Um, so yeah, the, the squirrel continues to thwart me at every turn, but also I've learned to feed the squirrel out of a bowl and the squirrel then like puts her little paws onto the bowl and I can feel her little weight oh my when God. I'm holding the bowl I, and, uh, it's also you, crying you at that a little love bit. It. Yeah. What, uh, do you remember what thing made you cry this week? Yes. Yes. So sir. we each have our comfort shows that we watch separately from each other. Mm-hmm. And for me, it mm-hmm. is chef's table or, or ugly delicious. I watch like cooking shows, which are very hard for you to watch because you don't like seeing people in restaurants I get out. <laughs> that was a weird thing that made you cry a couple weeks ago correct <laughs> so i was watching one i was watching like the the chef's table pastry edition which i didn't realize the fancy chefs like kind of look down on pastry chefs Ooh, that's which i'm thing. like what are you talking about pastry is the best but i was watching an episode you don't think pastry is the best no i do i'm just confused why they would feel that way maybe because they have less ingredients to work with i don't know weird well um i don't no, maybe. Well, what this guy was saying was, he said, it's weird. So this is a guy who was like a hot pastry chef in New York and moved to Bali. And he was like, for normal, like, uh, you know, entree chefs, I guess, you wouldn't have a restaurant <laughs> where you don't have entree, entree chefs. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I mean, like non-pastry chefs. Non-pastry chefs, yeah. yeah. He was like, you wouldn't have a restaurant that doesn't have access to fresh fish. Why do... I have to use chocolate that comes out of like a packaging. Mm. Why is it okay? He for... wanted some fresh dessert. So he items. went to Bali and he's been like making stuff over there. His name is Will Goldfarb. Anyway, he talked about how meringue, you know how meringue is sugar and egg whites and it's sweet? Correct. He's like, I want to make a meringue that's not sweet. He's like, this is going to be my mark. <laughs> I know. Same, same but face I, I made. Reader, I am making a face of disgust. It took him a year to try and make a savory meringue. And he finally got it at the end of a year. And he called it the Balinese meringue. Mm. Reader, I cried. <laughs> Just him making a savory meringue, which I got to say, sounds awful. What was the savory? Do you know what I mean? Like, what was the flavor? He used, like, mm-hmm. some local sugar that's, like, not that sweet to have the same chemical reaction. So it wasn't like a, a gravy meringue or, like, a beef meringue. <laughs> no, Emily, it was not a beef meringue. Beef meringue is my drag name, I think. <laughs> Please welcome to the stage, beef meringue. <laughs> beef meringue. Uh, it's not beef meringue. Uh, it's just, you know how all meringues sort of taste the same? I guess that's true. It's like that, but savory. And he's he's putting it in all his dishes now. Also, the first time he got a good review, because he was a guy who was so experimental that mm-hmm. all his reviews were bad. He would get fired all the time. That's awesome. The first time, he, yeah, I know, he's a bad. It's very punk rock, yeah. The, but the first time you get a positive review... Also, I cried. <laughs> so, did they show him reading it? They, no, because it was before. But he did mention that he cried when he got it. Here's a weird thing that is. Can I say something? Mm. We're friends with some chefs. Uh, I think they're artists. They're amazing. Like they truly do something that I can't do, and I appreciate their work so much. When I see them sweating, it's so like weird. into like while like an inch away from a plate it's to like so fix strange. it. And they're not wearing gloves, especially now. Especially now. I just like, like this guy who's amazing. And I followed him on Instagram. I did all that. This where he's like really sweaty in the face, just like an inch away from a plate to get like his savory meringue that he invented. It was like, just make sweet meringue and sweat into it, my dude. That'll make it savory. (laughs) That'll salt it up. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Feels weird. But I bet 
that's happening literally all the time. Every restaurant People you are go sweating to. Into like the, food. the reason that maybe at home food tastes different than restaurant food, which is the thing we're all discovering, is that we're not sweating into our food. Right. Maybe that's the secret ingredient. That no, no this, it's a lack of ingredient. It's a lack of sweat. And maybe that's what we need to be pouring into it. I made a green curry chicken yesterday. It because was real I love, good. I loved, well, I only tried a bite of it. I'm really looking forward to eating it today. But maybe I should sweat into it. No, don't. No? It tasted great. <laughs> I don't. But I will say, of all the people sweats in the world to be in food, yeah. I would pick yours. Okay, that's sweet of you. Now, I am not saying <laughs> I would rather have your... If it's like no sweat or somebody's sweat... But my point is, you've been eating it this whole time. I, not even your sweat. Yeah. Everybody else. Everybody else. People I've never met. People that you'll never talk to, you've Be- eaten their sweat. Right. That's so great. Like sometimes when you're leaving a restaurant and you know they have an open kitchen and they wave bye to you... Yeah, I think like, all right, eating all your sweats. <laughs> Ate your sweat earlier today. Ate your sweat. Thank you. Tasted real good. <laughs> Thank you so in. much. What's the grossest thing you found in your food in a restaurant? Do you have a, do you have a, I have one that I can think of. The worst thing I, it, this is not something I found in a restaurant, but I remember like, you know, the grossest thing I ever bit into was uh, like when you eat chicken and you bite into like a tendon and it's like a yeah. wet crunch, yeah. that thing. That's and you can like just in your soul feel that something died yeah. for this? Yeah. That's what I hate. That's uh, I was off chicken. Neither of us are vegetarians. I think we both aspire to be a Better version of me is yeah. vegan. Um, but uh, I was off chicken for like a year because I had one of our first meals in Los Angeles with Pete Holmes, our good friend Pete Holmes. I bit into some chicken that was so bad that it knocked me off chicken for a year. You know when you go to a new area and you don't quite know <laughs> what the restaurants are? We walked into a Thai restaurant that... Is still there to this when day. When we first moved to Los Angeles, yeah. And it's, I, would, I wouldn't eat there with your mother's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't eat it if it had your sweat in it. I, I, it it's, it's, a, it's a pretty gross it's restaurant. Hard God bless them. I hope up. they're going to stay open. Everything's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In their corner. Don't want to <laughs> eat any of their sweats. Uh, it's so hard to fuck up Thai food. Yeah. And the way to do it is to use really bad chicken. It was pretty bad. It was a bad meal. It, it was, was a bad, bad meal. meal. This we, was like 10 years ago. But the place is still going. It's still going. As of now, we don't... Who, I don't know. I, I don't know if they're still... If they're still going. But... Um, I, I have two things I've found in food. Can I say very fast? Of course. Uh, one, my mom and I were eating at a Chili's once. We got some tortilla chips and there was a roach, a dead roach that had been fried along with the Emily, tortilla chips. Emily, and Emily, Emily, I know. Emily, Emily. And we told them and we were so excited that we were going to get, you know, oh. we were like, hey, look what you guys did. You know that thing we were like excited to show someone how bad Emily. they fucked up. They um, t- comped the tortilla chips. <laughs> Was it? Oh, they didn't even like offer us, and they were like pretty oh, apologetic. No. Uh, big shout out to Chili's. I mean, this was like 15, 20 years ago. Why shout out to Chili's? They I'm just said- saying, like, I, I'm sure that that doesn't happen all the time. I don't want to besmirch a Chili's, Ooh. but yeah, so that's one. Two, this was when I was in college and I was not making oh, good decisions is, is this, overall. Should this be? No, this is not that gross. We were eating string cheese, my friends and I, oh. who were true scumbags, all of us were, including myself. And we saw that one of the string cheese against, but we had not opened it against the packaging. You can see a bug that was like trying to get out inside the packaging. It was like Harrison Ford in the carbonite, just like, and was dead inside the packaging into the cheese. Dead months. For months. Yeah. So we were like, in our wisdom, we were like, this is our cash cow. 
Yeah. This is how we're going to make our money. Cash bug. We're going to make so much money off this. We're going to figure out a way to contact. This is a little bit pre-internet. We're going to figure out a way to contact this company and we're going to blackmail them and get some money from them. So in all of our wisdom, I had a locked trunk. I thought to myself, I don't want to put this back in the fridge because I don't want anyone else to eat it. And I don't want anyone to steal my idea. I put it in my locked trunk. And it promptly turned into just an oily goo and you couldn't, I mean, like within like a couple of days, like we checked on it later. The bug did? Everything. The cheese had liquefied. It all turned into like a disgusting goo. And uh, so I did not get to make my payday off of that. My God. (laughs) That's horrible. Okay, those are Uh, my bug stories. Let's go. I'll say real quick, uh, because of the, 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 reminded me of the bug thing. Dreams. Dreams. Uh. Dreams, I had, dreams, 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 dreams. My dreams have been really intense and vivid. Mine have too. And, and mostly negative during this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I read an article about it uh, in the National Geographic. Well, I'll, I'll talk about Neo Geo. Yeah. No, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, not, yeah. That's Neo not what Geo. Not Geo. <laughs> so my dream was <clears throat> last week I had a dream where I'm hanging out with my dad and my family. And the, the family is vague, but I'm with my dad. And we're about to go out. And my dad's like, I want to work out. So I take him to the gym um, that I go to that's like a, that I used to go to that was like a private gym. And um, and I was like, oh, it's completely empty. He said, we can use it. There's nobody in there. It's quarantine times, but it's safe. Like this is an empty gym that's been empty for weeks ago. And so my dad went in and then my family was like, hey, um, let's go. Where's dad? And I'm like, oh, he's in the gym. And they're like, oh my God, he went to the gym. He shouldn't go. I was like, no, 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 it's empty. Come check it out. I opened the door and the gym is full. Oof. It's full of people. And my dad's in there working out. They're and I'm all like, coughing. Yeah, exactly. I'm terrified. <clears throat> I'm angry at my dad. All this stuff. Why are you mad at your dad? Because I'm like, you should have not worked out in there. <laughs> he shouldn't have. My dream dad really let me down. Yeah, he really did. <laughs> but more importantly, dream me let me down. Dream me let awake me down. The other one that I just had last night was me and you in our bedroom. Mm. Uh, let's see if you can uh, figure this one out. Surrounded by bugs. Can you figure out what that might be? Just flying gnats. Were they red and had like little pustules coming off uh, oh of them in every God, direction? Oh my God, everywhere. Uh, just like flying all around. That was the dream. And so this, uh, this, uh, I saw this headline. It's called uh, "That Geo" by Rebecca Renner. The pandemic is giving people vivid, unusual dreams. Here's why: they said a bunch of things. One, obviously, if your anxiety, your body sort of um, gives you bad dreams, right, mm-hmm. to sort of deal with it. They said usually people don't remember their dreams, but people right now are not having good sleep, so they're waking up a lot. And because of that, that, they're remembering their dreams more. Oh, interesting. They also said that um, usually dreams, you go out, you have new experiences, you see new things, and then that gets incorporated in you, into your dreams. Right now, people aren't having those. They're stuck at home. Oh. So you're getting a lot of dreams that are about anxiety um, with stuff from your past. Like nostalgic stuff. Interesting. Because there's not, we're not making any, in some ways. So we got to go back to the old files. We got to go back to the old files. Yeah. Right. Um, and they also said. We're rebooting. Right. <laughs> we're doing reboots. Yeah, we're doing reboots. Exactly. <laughs> that that uh, Jim Dream was a total reboot. Didn't need to happen. Uh, the other thing is they said, because it's an invisible enemy, people are making up things that represent what that enemy is. Zombies, bugs, that kind really? of stuff. Really? 
Really be. I was writing the word invisible down, so I said really be. Really be. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think the invisible enemy part is a super interesting part of this because I do think it... Everybody loves a scapegoat. Everybody wants something to pin their fears, their anger, all their stuff on. And we we literally don't have it. It doesn't... No, we don't have it. And so uh, what we often do as people is we f- pers- we figure out someone to put it on. Right. Yeah. The other thing they said was people aren't having like specific dreams in the sense that they, they're not dreaming of being on ventilators because most people don't know what that is. Whereas they said healthcare professionals are having nightmares where they're on ventilators because they know what that is. The other thing they said is there was like an earthquake somewhere and people, this was like years ago and they did a dream study and all these people had nightmares because of this intense earthquake. If you were closer to the earthquake, your nightmares were more intense because there was more proximity to it. They said the map of like whatever it's called, like the after the, the shocks and stuff, where it radiates from the center goes out. They said the, the map of how intense nightmares are correlated exactly with the map of how the earthquake, how much the earthquake was felt. That's kind of exciting. So now mm. people who are closer to places that are epicenters are mm. having more intense nightmares, whereas people who are in areas that aren't that are further away, that are perceived to be a little bit safer. It also would probably correlate with the, how much you're looking at the news and how much you're doing all Certainly, that, right? All that, yeah, all that, all that, all that. Um, are I you- just kind of realized that the I have a recurring nightmare in that I have a a horrific amount of gum in my mouth and I'm always trying to pull the gum out of my mouth and I can't seem to pull it out. Right. It has just occurred to me that is a ventilator dream. Is it? That is what that is. It just occurred to me. Oh my God. Because I have been on a ventilator. It is the most traumatic thing I've ever experienced in my entire life. And uh, I just now realize that that's what that is. Because uh, when I was on a ventilator, I don't mean to get too creepy. Uh, I was in a medically induced coma. It's not creepy. But I was fighting my way out of it uh, frequently, and I was pulling the ventilator out of my mouth on a regular basis. So you were in a total medically induced coma, and then there were a few days after it when you were awake where you were still on the ventilator. And a lot of the Is that when that was happening? I think so. And a lot of the I mean, you you remember more than I do, I guess. Yeah, they said, I mean, this is hard, but they said that you were trying to pull the ventilator out of your throat because you weren't fully awake you were sort of awake and so yeah they had to well whatever anyway that's what that dream's about do you want to talk about the dreams you had during your coma i think that stuff is fascinating i did have a lot of dreams while i was in a coma um if you don't want to talk about it we can can it's okay i i just the the ventilator thing just hit me a little (laughs) i know i'm like holy because i was like i don't even like gum that much i don't know where but it's been years that i've been having that dream we've talked about this dream but we thought it was about when you have stuff that you can't quite um, uh, get a hold over. You know what I mean? Yeah, when, when I overwhelmed. feel a little overwhelmed. Yeah. Right. But um, yeah, nothing's more overwhelming than having one of those things in you. Uh, yeah, I did have a lot of dreams. Uh, I don't know if that's true for everybody who's in a medically induced coma, but I did have a lot of dreams. And my dreams were all that I was... Um, I first thought I was late for something. I thought that I had a performance I had to get to. At the time, I was taking like dance classes. And so I was trying to do that. And then... I also at the time was working um, with severely mentally ill people who were institutionalized. And I then kind of transformed that into, oh, I've been institutionalized. This this story is a barrel of monkeys. I know, right? I feel it's a barrel of laughs. 
but there was like, I had one consistent, uh, the head of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar from the 80s was my consistent partner. And, and he like, was a friend. doctor. Yeah, he's wearing I, goggles. Yeah, he, just the floating head of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Would hang out with And me. I remember when you woke up, you were telling me, you didn't realize that they were dream, dreams. <laughs> and you were like, so where's that doctor? You know, the one who takes care of me. I'm like, which one? You're like, the one that's the floating head of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> okay, yeah, that one might not be real. The other one you had, you had a doctor who had sticky candy, like Twizzler his, hands. And no, his Jolly arms Rancher. were made of Jolly Ranchers and he was wearing a trucker hat. I don't know where the trucker hat came from. Um, and that was just all the medical surgical tape that was all over me all the time to keep all my monitors on. Right. Yeah. So they would come and redo the tape. Yeah. And in your dreams, you it was somebody with Jolly Rancher yeah. hands. I thought that that and was And I was plotting to try to get out of the institution. That was my whole thing was like, oh, I don't need to be here. So I'm going to figure out a way. So I was constantly, Kareem, even though he worked in the hospital, was that's also- That's Dr. Kareem to you. Dr. Kareem. Sorry. We were friends. I can call him Kareem. Um, he and I were plotting a way for me to get out of the hospital. And so that was a lot of my planning while I was in this coma was like we gotta get out of here i don't uh, need to be in here yeah yeah um you you also thought for a little while that i was in the hospital and you were there to visit me i did because you were wearing i i saw you this is what's crazy i fully opened my eyes and saw you at some point in time while i was in a coma and when i saw you i saw that you were wearing glasses which you were Correct. But I used to wear contacts all the time. Yeah. But then when we would go to the hospital, because basically we were there like 12 hours a right. day. We get there at 9 a.m. until the doctors They've would go home. They've seen the movie, honey. <laughs> right. They haven't. Maybe they haven't. The Big Sick <laughs> yeah. on Amazon Prime. Watch it. It's really good. <laughs> but because it was became this thing, I just stopped wearing contact because I right. didn't give a shit anymore. So when I saw you wearing glasses, I thought, oh, Kamal must be hurt. He never wears his glasses. I never wore, wore my glasses out because it was these really old shitty glasses that I had until about a year ago when I got new glasses. Um, yeah. The, I, there was something you said earlier that I wanted to kind of mention, which was the anxiety that we're all having this, like this, there's this invisible enemy. And I feel like that's a thing. I think that our bodies, there's a thing called trauma fatigue that, um, I think we're all kind of experiencing a version of, which is just like at a certain point, you kind of can't process any more bad. Like it's just really hard. And I think that's also true with anxiety is that if anything, our brains are getting tired of this being the only thing that we are anxious about. Yeah. And I think all of us, and maybe not all of us, but I think all of us are feeling our anxiety want to go to different things because our brain's like, oh my God, thank God. I'm so tired of thinking about this fucking Oh, COVID let's thing. worry about something else. Yeah. <laughs> I, your tire's probably going to explode. I, when I was in a not a great relationship that I knew I didn't need to be in, I was so terrified every single day that my tire was going to... Wow. My tire was going to explode and I would get into a car accident. Wow. I was having to drive a lot as well because I, I had to drive to grad school. This was while I was in grad school. Um... My life wasn't awful. It was a little stressful. And I was just in a not not a great relationship I knew I needed to be out of. And instead, my terror every single day was so absolute that I was going to get into an awful car accident. Isn't that interesting? Is head. it that your brain can't, the, the thing that you're anxious about, your brain says that's too much to deal with. Let's hang it. Because you're looking yeah, for different hooks. Else. Yeah, you're looking for different hooks. And the hook you found was, okay, this is more of... Uh, at least a hook that's a little more tangible. Even though, did I do anything about it? Like change my tires or like look at them? No, never, not once. Uh, but I do kind of think we're in collectively that place now where all of us are anxious about this one thing. But after a while, you just like, you can't even figure out new angles. Like you're just like, I know. you pick it up and look at it. You're like, yep, it's still COVID. Yeah. I don't my brain know was the... like, bugs? Can we make it bugs for tonight? <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Hey, month and a half in, we, we hadn't gotten to bugs yet. <laughs> pretty good. I think that's a... Uh, 
And that's what I'm trying to deal with now is realizing like, oh, I'm not actually anxious about this thing. I'm it's like, just do our best to be like, I'm still anxious about this. Like, yeah. even though there's nothing new to know, there's no, like, I don't have any revelations. It's, it's hard to have a thing that you can think about so much and yet never come to like, oh, I figured it out. No. <laughs> like, well, that's what we were saying early on is there's no way to process through this. The, uh, I want to say one real quick thing and then do a palate cleanser. In this article about dreams, it was also saying how like your dreams sort of help you deal with stuff that you're going through. Obviously, that's what is happening with us. I had this person who uh, was very close to me, who we did not get along well at all uh, towards the end. And we never like made up. And then that person passed away. Um, And I felt a tremendous amount of guilt over the fact that we basically really disliked each other Mm -hmm. until the very end and we used to not through the very end it sounds like through the very end yeah 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 We, we we never made up that person passed away we used to get along great and we hadn't in in a long time and i felt a tremendous amount of guilt and then i had a dream where it's me and this person in a room in a completely white room just talking about everything all the stuff we went through in a dream that person came to me in a dream I woke up and the guilt was gone. Now, I do not believe in ghosts. I do not believe anything supernatural. And people have other interpretations. For me, it was interesting because I was like, oh, my brain figured out. This is a thing that's bothering us. We need closure in this. Let's bring that person in. Cue the white room. (laughs) Yeah, get the white room going. (laughs) We need some closure. Get the white room. Yep, way ahead of you. Uh, And just my brain was like, what this person needs is a fake imaginary conversation uh, to happen and then it'll be okay. I think that's very interesting. And I do think other people would interpret it different ways and would think that that was that person visiting you and I, I did getting that closure. That. But I think what people, uh, this is what I would tell clients all the time. Closure doesn't involve another person. If you have a thing that you need sure. closure for, closure is just yours. It absolutely, people are like, I just want to talk. I want to get some closure. And I've, I fall for that too. And I, I have that issue too. However, closure only exists for you. You actually don't need the other person to right. get closure and from I, a weird relationship. Right. Well, just do this. Uh, just pretend you're in a white room. <laughs> have a dream. Imagine you talking to that person. And would that help if you're like, yeah. if there's someone that you feel you need closure with, just imagine the conversation that you would have with that person. Yeah. Maybe that'll help. I think I don't know anything. I Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I've also, uh, I have done the thing where I write an email to someone. Do not put the email address in the fucking two thing. Just is, don't do it. Don't. Just write the draft. There be dragons. Tell There be dragons. Tell them everything you want to say. And then just put that draft away. Like, uh, it's it closure is about you closure is not about the other person finally realizing that you were right it's not about any of that stuff it's about you kind of you figuring out how you want to synthesize that experience into who you are to move forward yeah um yeah and now let's maybe take an ad break ad break listen to harry and we are back now uh i want to tell this real quick story so my name kumel Oh, uh, I grew up in Karachi, Pakistan, and it was a very, very rare name there because it's from a Shia prayer. I'm named after a, a Shia person and Pakistan's majority Sunni. So there weren't that many Shia people. And honestly, it was hard to be Shia there. So mm-hmm. And Kumel is such a Shia name that not many people were called that. In my life to this day, I've met two other Kumels. One of them was a kid who uh, showed up to school a few years younger than me. Do you hate that kid? He was cool, so I did hate him. Yeah. 
Um, he was There's the another cool, Emily you know. in my class. I hated her. Uh, and then the other person I met was a guy. We were at the airport in like London, like a year ago. Remember when we, oh, we were in the elevator? Oh, I do elevator, yeah. Yeah, and this person was like, hey. I was like, hey. He's like, actually, we've talked. We have the same first name. On Twitter, we talked. And I was like, he was very nice. Anyway, so those are the only two other Kamels I've met. It's a very rare name. I bet there are more now because you a name and you got a cute name. There are more, but not because of me. It just became, I was like the first wave of the name sort of coming back. You know, mm, that happens. I'm going to say it's because of you. Honey, these people are like in their 20s. There's no way that people mm. are named after me. <laughs> There's no way people are named after me. Although it was interesting the year our movie came out, there were people. There was a small bump in both of our names yeah, as baby names. It was cool. What a weird anyway, thing. Um, and so it was a very rare name, obscure name. It sounds a little in Urdu. It's, it's, it's a little bit feminine sounding, but I always loved my name, right? Kamal Great is name. a common name. Uh, Kamal is a Kamal. Uh, uh, is a common. Kamal is a Kamal. <laughs> is it K A M I L? Kamal. Kamal is another one. That's Kamal. K A M A L. Okay. Kamal. That's also a name. Okay. And then Kamal. K A M A L again. But anyway, <laughs> none of this matters. But I had a very obscure name, and I loved it. Until a Until. new product came onto the market, <laughs> and I'm now going to play you. This is not the ad that played back then. This is the earliest ad I could find. This ad is from like 10 years ago. Um, get ready, guys. And this is the ad. Like you're going to get a little song with your staying in that today. ruined my life. Here we go. Girl be tempting, the girl be sweet. Yeah, life, hey, yeah, treat. Kumel, kumel, kumel. Amazing, hey, 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 hey. So just translate for the people who are, because it's partially in English and partially in Urdu. Yeah, so it's saying cubby tempting, cubby sweet. That means sometimes it's tempting, sometimes it's sweet. It does sound like could be also. Well, let me tell you what it is. Oh, boy. It is a condensed milk <laughs> and it's thick. And white. And in the the first trailer that I remember really, really well that came on when I was like in the sixth grade was Gara Mita Malaidar Dude, which means um, thick, <laughs> sweet, creamy milk. And I had... What a nightmare! Kids yelling at me across the playground. Hey, can we have your thick, sweet, creamy milk? What a nightmare. And I want to tell you, Look up this commercial. Kumel is spelled C-O-M-E-L-L-E. -L -L -E. Yeah, this version of Kumel. This is. version of Kumel. And this ad is nearly pornographic. Imagine <laughs> it's like a thick white substance, a lot like another substance. Yeah. So they're just show, literally women are dipping their fingers in it and licking it. And so then like looking so happy. They are looking like they just had the time <laughs> of their lives. Sometimes it's being like poured on them from above, like it's, in hip hop it, videos from the 90s. It is... <laughs> grotesque there is one of the there's so much every single frame has gifts to give because it really does imagine it's a product imagine it's a product imagine. i made yeah. <laughs> with your body with my body uh-huh there's one where it's like being spread on toast Ugh. and it just because it's also it's like not perfectly white no it's like slightly it's viscous as hell man. it's like they looked at this other thing and were like how do we recreate that there's one where they just dip a popsicle into it which yeah is like, she's like sucking on a that. popsicle <laughs> with just white goo coming out of it 
Anyway, Kamel, Kamel, <laughs> amazing hair. That means is amazing. It's amazing. Ruined my goddamn life. <laughs> it, I, I could not believe it. And this is a weird little detail. When I was a kid, we went to like a kid's play. And <laughs> one of the actresses in that play was a woman who was like a pretty famous like Pakistani actress who was in like uh, serials, like uh, drama TV uh-huh. shows. And she just happened to be in this play. She was just happened to be in this play. And afterwards, we were standing in line and she was like signing stuff. And she signed my program. She's like, what's your name? And I said, Kumail. And she said... That is a beautiful name. I've never heard that name. Kamel, say it again. Kamel. When this ad came out, the first years ad, later, years, years later. later, this ad comes out, like three years later, not that long later, two years later. She's in that ad and she's saying Kamel. And I was like, she stole my name and gave it to this condensed milk company. Of course, that didn't happen. She didn't like start the condensed milk company. She, they were like, listen, we, we got this product. We, we've got a commercial all ready to go. Right. The only thing it we don't have sexy. is a name. And she's Can like, anyone help us? I remember it was so weird. As for a little kid, it fucked with me so hard. Of course I was it like, would. It's like the Truman Show for you. Like yeah. suddenly this one person that you met ends up like being in a thing that t- ruined your life. Nobody <laughs> wants anything named after them. Nobody. Absolutely horrifying. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely horrifying. And then did that ever go away or did it just, was it, because at a certain point. I just, at some, it's like so exciting for kids in the beginning where it's like, oh my God, their brains were exploding at how easy this was. Yeah. Like, And they knew it was like a sex they knew it had like Oh yeah, sex they were undertones. doing a sex joke. And that's always a weird time when you're a very. When they were asking for my creamy milk, <laughs> sweet. Thick, creamy milk. Yeah, they were doing a sex joke. It's it's hard when you're young enough that you can't talk about sex without laughing or being horribly embarrassed. And then something like this comes along that everybody's like, let's do this. And exactly. then it becomes the only way that it's like okay to talk about a version of sex, I guess. Or yell about it from or across yell the about playground. It. <laughs> it, it, Did you ever try the product? Kamel? Yeah. I will never try it. <laughs> I will die without having tried. Did your mom know better than to bring that home to your house? Yeah, of course. I was like, this is is hell for me. (laughs) For a couple of years, it was bad because it was like a new product on the market. And in Pakistan, you know, we had at that point, we only had two channels. So everybody watched the same stuff. And all the products were like, like, I remember when I would go, there would be like two brands of bread and each one had two. There'd be a white mm-hmm. and a wheat. And that was it. We didn't have that many products. It was crazy when, we, when I came here and I looked at the bread aisle and it's like hundreds of bread. It's so crazy. I don't know what, pa- huh? Overwhelming. I don't know what Pakistan is now, but this was, you know, I'm talking about in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So, so there's no new products. And then suddenly there's a new product <laughs> and it's about like thick sweet milk. And the name is exactly the nerdy guy with the huge glasses and the massive head and the tiny chicken shoulders. Oh, uh, what a gift. Legs, little tiny skinny legs oh, too. Oh <laughs> my God. So it was intense for a while, but then it just became a thing that was like part of the products that we had. Could so, you have like owned it in any way? Like to be like, is there any, is there ever a kid yes. who's able to be like, yeah, that's right. It's my sweet creamy milk. Get into it. Yeah. You want it here? Give me five <laughs> minutes. Of course. But of, nobody actually does that. But if you're cool or Maybe popular, yeah. I wasn't those things. Yeah. I remember <sighs> uh, in high school, some, we were all in the thespian society and, and uh, they like some of the, shitty kids called us lesbians and we were like okay like (laughs) and it's the only time i've ever bested a bully by being like yeah who cares like okay you also had a group of people with you that's we did not have like a clan of kamals that was like all right how do we fight back it was just me (laughs) 
I did not meet my first other Kumail for like a good five years after that. I the this kid who said this to us specifically uh, had like a ton of acne. And listen, it's okay, people get acne. But in the early ni- mid nineties, well, that makes sense that he would then be no. But I'm just saying, like, how how are you popular? You've had acne the whole time. Emily. You got popular with the ton of acne. We're over here, can't ever be popular. That's how cool he was until grunge hit, and then all of us were quite popular. Oh, you got so cool. <laughs> oh, we're gonna talk about that. In the entertainment wrecks. Oh, yes, we will. We'll get so to that. We should get, we'll to, get to that. that. Okay. Um, I thought maybe we'd talk a little bit about, uh, just a little bit about self-care, because I think everybody's kind of on this self-care kick now, because we're trying to make the most of what this time is and try to take care of ourselves. Um, so I thought I'd go through, we kind of talk about a little bit. What What is it that your understanding of self-care is, Kumail? I'm not quizzing you. I'm just asking. Oh. Taking care of yourself. Very good. (laughs) I mean, I can't describe it any better. It's just like doing things that help your state of mind, your physical or mental well-being, things that you do to, um, yeah, to to, to feel better. I've kind of tried to think of it as like there's different areas of emotional neediness that we have, uh, especially during this period. Um, And obviously there's more than just this, but some of the ways you might need self-care, a need to feel comfort or stress relief feeling overwhelmed, uh, you have too much, just in general, you need to reduce your anxiety level currently. A need to feel awe. I think that's a um, a mm. self-care need that we forget sometimes how mysterious and amazing the world is. Um, and I think that is part of self-care is kind of reminding yourself that like you're a tiny little speck and this great beautiful you thing. You saw a hawk and, and it changed your I life. Hawk. That's what you mean. I mean, the world does feel pretty mysterious right now, so maybe. <laughs> right. And for me, awe comes mostly and always has, unfortunately, every now and then it's from nature, but it's really from movies and TV shows. Yeah. And and seeing a um, uh, uh, portrait of a lady on fire that gave me that awe. One. Seeing Alien again yesterday gave me that awe because that movie like hits me every time. Yeah. It's a great movie. So I would say you can find stuff that. The, the the movies, TV shows, whatever it is that really inspire music and, and yeah. revisit that. Basically, like it's so it's like stress relief, um, feeling a need to feel inspiration, a need to not think. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big self-care one that we're all on right now. It's not about not feeling stress, but it's like your brain is just kind of overworking and you need your brain to take a break. Yeah. You don't need like a stress reliever. You just need your brain to take a break and then a need to feel heard. I think that's a self-care need that um, all of us, some would call it maybe a social need more. But like if you're feeling lonely, if you feel like uh, no one understands you, nothing you're doing matters, that kind of a thing. These are, to me, the four kind of main areas that of self-care. Okay, so to not think, for instance, what would work is meditation, but also like for me, video games works like that. For me, exercising works like that. Okay. I understand that not thinking is probably the thing I personally need to do the most to practice self-care. Okay, that makes sense. What about uh, a need to feel heard when you feel like if you need to connect, if you feel like you need to, um, yeah, if you feel like you need to feel heard, feel like you matter, what do you do? I don't really feel that need very much because I feel like we're generally pretty good about talking to each other. Mm -hmm. And I have like a lot of friends that I text with that we sort of get into deep conversations quickly. I feel like that's one thing that's been better for me in the last 10 years or so is that a lot of our friends are people, men who are very comfortable having emotional or difficult Mm -hmm. conversations, vulnerable conversations. And the show I was on, Silicon Valley, that just ended. The most sensitive boys. They're the most sensitive like people in the world. So any of those I can like talk to about feelings and stuff. And um, we're sort of there for each other. 
so so the need to feel heard, it's obviously very, very important, but I feel like that that's something with you and, and the friends I have. Um, it, it's not something that I'm hard up for. What do you do if you're feeling anxious in the moment? Do you have anything you can do to kind of like lessen your anxiety in the yeah, moment? I get really, what I do is I get really angry <laughs> about something that has nothing to do with that. And, um, that and, works. Then I, and well, this is the system. Oh, please, oh, please. I feel anxiety. Okay. I get really angry about something. Great. Mercurial, quickly, <laughs> down quickly, and then guilt the rest of the day. Oh, man, really burning it off. It's yeah. a system that works. <laughs> Why change it? You get to feel awful the whole time. Mm-hmm. It's something. Uh, I, I think that that's the one out of all of these. The need to not think I'm good at. Yeah, uh, I would say <laughs> men. Oh. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> uh, need to not think I know. I'm, I'm, I'm like good about giving myself space to do that. Need to feel awe. I think I'm good about giving myself space to do that. Feeling uh, heard, connecting, yeah. But- uh, the, the anxiety one is the one that in the moment when I'm feeling it, I am the... I'm not, that's the thing I'm weakest at Mm -hmm. for sure. I think, uh, I mean, that's the thing that I think is very tough for a lot of people. I know when I'm feeling really anxious, I just, I will often just go take a walk Mm -hmm. because I feel so jangly that the only thing that feels real to me in that moment is, is feeling my body and not in a workout way. I like a workout doesn't make sense to me, but I want to, I want to know where my body is and I want to feel, I want to just reconnect to it because I feel like when I'm super anxious or super scared, I feel almost like I'm floating outside of my body. Is that weird? Um, that I'm kind of looking at it from afar. I can feel all the things that are happening. It's not like a dissociative episode, but I do, I almost feel like I'm gone. I don't, I'm gone from, I'm, I'm like, that's when I'm dropping stuff. That's when I'm like clumsier because I'm really? just kind of not as connected to my body. Sure. Sure. Um, I think connecting to your body is a big part of grounding yourself that I had not even considered being a real thing until um, maybe five or six years ago. We were just talking about this. The, right? uh, off mic. Off mic. Um, be where your feet are is a great term. Uh, but yeah, just remembering. And a lot of people do a thing where they just kind of, and this is in the movie Honey Boy, which does such an, it's an amazing movie, by the way, but it also does a really, really good job. Of we, kind we've of, talked about that movie. Yeah, of this. doing kind of therapy stuff of like, tell me what's in the room. I think that was a, she was like, tell me, tell me what's in the room right now. Look around. And he's so angry about doing it. Uh-huh. But there's something about being angry or being anxious that gets you, you stop seeing the individual details of what's happening inside uh-huh. you and what's happening around you. Right. So the idea is that reconnecting to those dumb things of like, I'm looking at a globe. There's four books sitting here. I'm wearing black shoes. I'm doing this. Like that somehow that helps. So that's what I'm doing when I take a walk. Sometimes when I'm super anxious is I'm looking around and going, you know me, I have this dumb thing. If I hear a bird, oh, I have to find the bird. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty dumb. <laughs> Everything is stopped when Emily hears a bird. <laughs> If you were watching us from afar, you would just see me like, huh? Um, and people do watch from afar. <laughs> and they go, what is going on with but, this By person? the way, that helps me. If I'm thinking, if I'm very, very anxious in the moment, and then I'm looking and like looking for a bird in a tree, that's then what I'm doing. And it kind of brings my, it immediately brings my heart rate down. It immediately does uh, really, really great things for me. Yeah. Um, so there were a couple of things. Uh, I had a couple of questions that I'll ask you of of things. If people need help finding what their self-care things are because everybody's like, oh, self-care. And it's always like, take a bath, right? journal. But you got to find the things that work right. for you. So what did I enjoy doing as a child when I had nothing to do but amuse myself? Mm-hmm. That's, what did you do? Me? Yeah. 
You play video games. <laughs> yeah, I played video games and I watched movies. Yeah. And I was in my backyard a lot and like or just like taking a walk around nature. And so you're still doing stories. that. That's true. I guess that's right. Yeah. Um, I. Wow. It's interesting. We go back to the coping, whatever we had, not coping stuff when you were a kid, but yeah. that same stuff. I play video games or watch movies and you go on a walk. The um, when we were little, I'm pretty country. How country am I? My sister and I used to drive around our riding lawnmower uh, as a car. And what did you call it? The attack track. Mm-hmm. And you used to solve crimes. Is that is that right? We would solve crimes. Involving uh, we animals? Well, I, it left to my own devices. I would just be a taxi cab service for stuffed animals. Okay. And okay. I would drive them around to different places in our neighborhood, drop them off, and then go back and pick them up later when they were done shopping or whatever. Um, we took the... Uh, we did take the blades off. My dad, my dad was like, you can drive it. But, but still the neighbors were not happy because we were driving a riding lawnmower all over the neighborhood. And I oh, grew up, you not just in your backyard, no, no. you were like going out, out all over. To, the, to the world. I grew up on a dirt road. You guys were straight storying it. Yeah. So it wasn't on a main road ever, but I grew up on a dirt road and we kind of with like eight houses and we would just drive around that whole area. I did one time run over my sister with the lawnmower, but that's another story altogether. Uh, so that was your self-care was <laughs> running over your sister's foot cool um what am i drawn to now in my online habits or when i'm not on the internet at all but just living in the world in the real world what kind of things am i drawn to like what do you mean drawn to like what kind of websites do you visit oh that i see i see i see i like reading like science stories do you yeah which is why that dream story was interesting to me or like science podcasts but ones that aren't Right now, I do generally try and avoid ones that are specifically about this thing because I already know too much and there's just like so much contradictory information all the time. So yeah, that's what I, uh, you you know, I've cried at like podcasts about people like naming planets. That is absolutely true. You get, yeah, so you're kind of a science guy. Um, what have I found myself doing in the past when I'm feeling overwhelmed? In terms of good stuff or good bad stuff. reaction? That's a good question. I, I guess we're meeting more good stuff now. What has helped you in the past when you felt overwhelmed? Um, I think mm. it's sort of in a way, when I feel overwhelmed, it's because I've made whatever the issue is much bigger than it needs to be. Mm. Like I don't have perspective on it. And oh. I think... Sorry. Okay. <laughs> made a I real, thought this was a safe space. Made a real wife face free just of, now. <laughs> free of judgment. And a wife sound. Let's not... Oh. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they saw the face when they heard the... <laughs> When they heard the sound. Um, so it's it's sort of the, the struggle is, and again, this is not something that's easy for me. If I'm feeling overwhelmed, I have to realize that whatever I'm overwhelmed about invariably is not a big deal or also try to make it smaller. And if it is something I need to uh, fix or remedy, what's the first step towards it? Well, that's nice. Making it smaller. Like when we're like writing, if I have to write a like a script it's very scary but i'm like oh i just have to write this one scene and then it's like oh i just have to write this one scene i just have to fix this little thing that's, yeah so i that, make that's, obsessive lists uh, right. both in my life and in my work of like i just need to do these seven things and then i i get so much joy out of crossing off things from my list my yeah. god and then who do i want to see after having a long frustrating day and what do i want from them i think that's a real big one too of Making sure that you, and now it's an interesting time because maybe we don't all have that chance and that choice, but um, making sure that you're keeping people around you that actually help you when you are in a stressed out place and not people that you're just, um, you're constantly helping. Right. I think that's a big one. Um, and what do you want from them? Well, you have, I mean, 
that's a problem that's specific to you. People aren't like looking for me to help them all the time. <laughs> that's a you thing. That might you, be true. I guess you have right. a lot of relationships where you're helping those person people, and but part of that is that I not I have not always felt comfortable talking about myself. I know I, I might not seem super private in this podcast situation, but I'm actually quite private, and so I don't have a lot of uh, I don't let a lot of friends. In. You're great at projecting vulnerability, Emily. That's <laughs> I, th- I bet that's one of the uh, traits of being a good therapist, right? Don't you have to sort of be like, I'm with you here right now. But I'm not telling you anything about myself. Right. I have cried in front of clients one time in my entire career. Oh, God. And I kind of calculated doing it a little bit, but also <laughs> I was really crying. Uh, I was like, should we let this one go? And I was like, yeah, let's, let's let this go. Um, but, and what do you want from them? I think that's such an important thing that we need to be able to articulate what we want from the people that we love. Because I think everybody thinks that they're, anyone they're in a relationship with, friendship or otherwise, is automatically issued a manual that's like, here's what this person wants and needs. Mm. And uh, that's not the case. Uh, nobody is a mind reader. So you have to, and people are like, well, that means it's not spontaneous if they're like, I have to tell them that I want like someone to play with my hair and someone to do this. Yeah, okay. Get what you want though. How about that? Tell them what you want. And then may- maybe at some point it will be a spontaneous thing that they do for you. But um, I think a big thing that we problem in relationships is people having expectations for the other person, but not ever communicating what those expectations are. Right. And I find this is going to sound a little selfish. In every relationship, romantic, obviously, but I'm also talking friend relationships, you should know. I, I think we have friends who have friends who are sort of taking more from them than they're giving. And I understand there's a loyalty thing, but I also am a little more ruthless about that stuff. I am like, if yeah, there's someone... Right. You I, are. I am a little ruthless about it. If there's someone that at some point I'm like, you're you're in a, not worthy. I don't mean worthy of like my friendship. I just mean like, you're... You're taking gonna, more from me. You're, than you're always going to yeah. be a person who's going to be taking more from me than giving to me. Yeah. In a way, you're like very, very selfish. And my self, and I understand I'm being selfish. Where I, I sort of like cut them off because honestly, life is fucking hard, and I don't want to have relationships that are making it harder for me. Um, yeah, I have I, a hard time with that. I sometimes. have friends. We have friends who have this sense of loyalty towards people who are. Uh, Sometimes my, actively making their lives worse. <laughs> actively making their lives worse. Yeah. Uh, Now's a good time to to set, hit reset on a lot of those friendships, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cut them loose. <laughs> I, when they're at their most vulnerable and lonely, <laughs> send them out in the wind. <laughs> Great. I'm just saying, if there's that friend that like you every few months are like, we, we should get together. And you're like, yeah, okay. Um, maybe now's the time to be like, well, we can't get together. And Eh, maybe we're not going to get together again. It's really hard to break up with a friend. Uh, it's really hard to break up with a friend. Yeah. But I think we need to keep have people around us that the friendship is a two-way street. I think that is quite important. And that we communicate what it is that we need from those friends. Yeah, and that perhaps we get instead of cutting them off, maybe it is better to be like, hey, I feel like you're doing this, this, this. You're taking from me. It's, uh, and I'm not really getting anything. In have you ever done that? No, I'm saying <laughs> I don't do it. But I'm I saying that maybe that's better, do. huh? Yeah, I think that would be great. I've, I've broken up with one friend in my lifetime, and it was not It was not fun. We've had friends who've broken up with us. We have It was fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe weird. that's not the right. And maybe just that's in a not the right. very basic uh, 
a very basic check-in of like it's and this is a romantic partner of what uh making sure you're communicating what you expect i think birthdays are a very interesting thing to always check in with couples because i do think uh we all have the thing of like, here's how I would like my birthday to be celebrated. Oh, yes. But I think we assume that everybody wants their birthday celebrated the same way that we do. Right. So for Case instance, point. me and you, <laughs> yes. right, have our birthdays one day apart. Yeah. Um, I don't give a shit about my birthday. You truly. I thought that was maybe a bit. No, no, no. No, you my family don't. stopped celebrating my birthday at like the age of 10. <laughs> like I stopped getting gifts. It was all dead. Part of it was also that I was just didn't like getting older and I never sure. have. I'm a lot more comfortable with it now. Um, Whereas my family birthdays are like your special day. You usually go out for a dinner. You like uh, you. There's like something that somebody made. Right. So the first birthdays that we experienced as a couple, yours is first. I went out and got you like I got pancakes for you and like served to you in bed. Yeah. And if I remember, I said happy birthday to you on your birthday. <laughs> real moment of like checking in i have the luxury of having therapist friends and like checking in with them and being like i think this guy doesn't isn't into me because like i did all this shit for his birthday and he didn't do anything for mine and my friend was like well yeah because maybe he doesn't feel the same way about birthdays that you do well and you that kind is, of imposed your birthday will right yeah. that is exactly what it was right yeah. it was like i honestly did not care about my birthday you cared a lot about your birthday i assumed <laughs> that no grown-ups cared about their birthdays because, you know, we're fucking and grown-ups. Yet, you'd been to birthday parties, I assume. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. I'm joking. Um, and I'll say this. Uh, so it took a while for me to understand that, oh, and you didn't want, you wanted to play it cool. You weren't like, be do something for my birthday. So you, I didn't communicate. That is true. Right. I made that mistake. Yes. Whereas, yeah. And so eventually I realized like, oh, Emily wants to celebrate her birthday and do a whole thing. And that's fine. And we have recently started doing joint birthday things, mm-hmm. uh, parties and stuff. Won't do one this year. No, we won't. It's coming right up. Anyway. Yeah, we won't do one this year. We'll have a different kind of birthday this year. Right. But I just think that's a great example of overall, you can't know where, even if you know a person quite well, everybody's got a different set of rules in their head of right. what the world should be, what life should be. And I think now is a good time to kind of be understanding of what your partner needs for self-care. If you have a partner, what you need to be do to help take care of them, what they're expecting of you. And we need to be able to communicate. If you don't know what you want, then you can't expect the person with you to know what you right. want. Um, you truly can't. And now I do love celebrating my birthday with you. Do you? Uh, yeah, I love it. Nice. I love it. Uh, should we take a break? Yeah, let's take another break. We'll be right back. We are back. We are back. Um, Emily, what, what is the update you want to give? Oh, uh, many, many people have been asking. I've posted it on Twitter, but I will say it here now. Um, the balance disc, the thing that I've been talking about for my office chair. That fixed your back. That uh, has helped my back tremendously. It is from Gaiam. It's spelled G-A-I-A-M as in Mary, and it's called a balance disc. We do not... We don't are, aren't affiliated with them. They're not no, a sponsor. No sponsor. But um, they have it on their website. They have it on Amazon. It's still available to be shipped to I you gotta if you I got to say the it. name could use a punch up. Balance disc or Gaiam? Gaiam. Balance disc is good. I think they make a lot of like yoga products in general, but... Um, and I think they're like... Oh, because Gaia is Gaia, like Mother Earth. Mother Earth. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like a $20 product. It has truly helped my life. Uh, another small tip, make sure that your laptop, if you're sitting all day, oh. your laptop needs to be higher than you think. Like that's Right, it should thing. be like eye, eye level. level. Yeah. Um, all this stuff helps because all of us are now sitting at our desks right. all the time now. Um, what's the weird story you want to oh. talk Here's about? A, I don't 
don't know. It's Canadian. So I'll say, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you my perspective from this. Obviously, we've been spending a lot more time on our couch than we had before, right? Yeah. Like at the end of the day, we are basically on the couch watching movies, playing video games every night. The couch has developed a Kumail divot, I will call it. Because I sit the same spot on the couch. Emily switches it up. She's all over the place. I move, I move around. Yeah. So now there is a little bit of a depression where I am. And it... <laughs> It bugs you. I think a depression where I am is maybe there the is a bit of a depression episode. where I am. <laughs> what a great way to not say oh, that you're depressed. Uh, it follows In me around. General area. There's there a bit of a depression. There just happens to be a dark cloud that follows me above my head wherever I go. It is. Uh, it's very small side. My one of my best friends, Carlos, in high school would be like, I thought that it, there was like a a smelly guy sitting behind me in class. He was like. It took me like two months to realize it was me. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I should wash my hair more often. And I was oh like, my God. absolutely loose. Uh, at least the back of his hair. Uh, <laughs> this yes. divot in the couch bugs you no end. You um, hate it. I do hate it. It bothers me. So I'm frequently... Another thing that you do is that um, oh, here we you're go. very big on on the couch. You like to have all your little items there's, next to you. I will say there's too much stuff on the couch. <laughs> so you will line up several different remote controls there'll be a, a controller well and so that's the problem a is phone the, the problem is when i sit on the couch and i bring this stuff in i'm not like i have to sit in the exact same spot i just put the remotes in most of the couch and so now that's inaccessible to me and i can't move it it's what? honestly when i'm sitting on the couch and you tell me to move Nothing is more has ever been more difficult than getting up, moving all the remotes and, yes, and the headset. And maybe that's where I'm at. Is where I, I'm. I'm the wife who's like, "Honey, can you just move over six or seven inches?" And so you know we what? When that work is done, that insurmountable amount of work <laughs> of moving the the remotes and the headset and and all that, when I sit in the new spot, I feel like a different king. world, different way world. better. My butt feels supported. <laughs> It feels, uh, you know, the, the whole perspective changes. Yeah, yeah. I like it. You're sitting since six inches to the but left. when I'm going to the couch, sitting anywhere but my divot feels, it just feels so difficult. Another option is to use the table that we have in front of the couch to put the items. So you, what, let me get this straight. You're <laughs> suggesting that if I want to change the channel... I lean forward rather than sideways. Yes, 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 yes. I don't have to lean sideways. Just I just sit right there, out. put my arm out. It's there. You want me? Let me get this straight. To lean forward to pick up a remote control. Mm -hmm. That 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 is what I'm proposing. Wow. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Basically, the end of every night is me because the, the couch has two large cushions on the back of it. It's uh, me picking obsessively them up, turning cushions around, turning them over, turning them around, trying to fight the divot. Can I say one thing? Yes. If we had a movie where there's a big pandemic happening <laughs> and the one person is obsessed with rotating cushions on the couch, we know everything we need to know about that person. Not the person who's constantly <laughs> sitting in the same divot. The Whose other person is following them around. Yeah, the high risk person who like can't leave the house without would a mask be like, on. She's gonna snap. <laughs> turning their cushions over and over. That's the one. That's, that's the, the one, one that needs to do some self care. I have a thing of well, that is my self care. As I'm keeping the couch, <laughs> I'm keeping the couch from being divided. Oh, you're too good. I can't. I can't get you one. You can't over trap you. me, baby. Um, yeah. Also, randomly, we were on. Did uh, did we talk about the COVID? The, well, no, the, we were on can a you tell big Zoom with our friend and a lot of people that we didn't know. It was like a big Zoom birthday party. And one of the people that we didn't know, his kid came in and his kid was like four or five. And the dad was like, hey, what do you think of the coronavirus? And he says, 
I love COVID. And the dad said, why? And he said, because everybody gets sick. And all of us were just like, uh. That's the pro-COVID kid. He's out there protesting. With I the love COVID. I liberate just, people. Just what a weird thing to hear uh, anyone say. I love COVID. I love COVID. I will tell you, if I was a little kid and this was happening, oh my God. As someone who hated school, especially when that Kamel fucking sure. condensed milk Give came out. Time, oh, yeah. A global pandemic would have been so good for me. It would have been fucking perfect timing. That would have been my, I would have been like, I'm going to come back hot next year. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to happen. Uh, uh, let's talk about some things we've been uh, consuming. because people. Yes, that. before I do that, oh. I want to give a big shout out to our producer, Harry Nelson. He's the best. He's amazing. And we've, we've never getting, met him. We've never met him. I've Skyped with him okay. or Zoomed with him. Uh, he's great. He reads all the ads and people love the ad reads. Yeah. People are into the ads. So Doing just a, a big shout out to him for uh, this all having got our back. put together so quickly that we we didn't uh, like getting this equipment. It was like people were dropping it off. We weren't going to go out and interact with them. So it's been an odd thing to kind of work with these work with people. Yeah. Uh, that we have never met and have. Yeah. It's been interesting. But Harry's the best. Um, Harry, leave all that in. <laughs> what if we were like, Harry, take that out. That was just for you. Yeah. Um, we usually give Harry like edit notes as we record. Yeah. So that's what the, he said. It was funny. He's like, it's weird. It's like a podcast is talking to me. Which like, it technically it is. is. Um, I rewatched because we are kind of caught in some nostalgia stuff. I think everybody's feeling. Well, a bit this of that. is the thing uh, real quick. I, I was like, why am I so nostalgic about stuff? And when I read that uh, article, the, the dream article where it said that since we're not going out making new experiences, really, our dreams are having to dig back into our past. Mm -hmm. I think that's also we're happening when we're too. awake. Yeah. I certainly am feeling very, very nostalgic for certain points in my life, but uh, go on. I rewatched the movie uh, Cloak and Dagger. Okay. <laughs> it's a it? movie from, uh, I'd say, 85 uh, video games, 1980s video games feature heavily in this movie. I remember my sister and I loved this movie more than anything. My sister wanted to be an FBI agent as a child. And so she was all really into spy shit. And this is essentially a movie about a little kid who is into spy shit um, and video games. And he gets caught up in an actual spy shit situation. Are you recommending this movie? No, I am not. Okay. And here's why. First off, I didn't realize the movie actually is a lot more about like uh, loss and like confronting that your parents are not are your heroes but they aren't but they're fallible Woo, it's got some stuff in it that's a pretty big matzo ball there for right a now character i didn't realize this as a kid but the the main kid has this like super like basically like cool hero character that he's always like talking to who's not really there played by dabney coleman but his actual father in the movie is also dabney coleman so he's like seeing this guy is uh -huh. as like his hero as his dad that doesn't hang out with him as much uh -huh. as he should. But he gets mixed up in some spy shit. And what I loved about the movie, what I remember loving as a kid was like <laughs> this kid who is the main kid in the movie and his little friend go to the mall together <laughs> by themselves. And they're right. like 10 and 7. And I just remember being like, oh my God, they get to go to the mall This by is themselves? why the movie was exciting to you is because <laughs> you got to go to the mall. And I talked to my sister who, and I was like, I just rewatched Cloak and Dagger. And she was like, oh, how did it hold up? I love that movie. And she said, what I love most about that movie is those kids got to ride the bus by themselves. <laughs> <laughs> you guys had the same <laughs> reaction. So both of us were very like, and, and now I'm like, I, I kind of, Midnight Madness was also a big kids movie for me that I absolutely. Midnight Madness? Yeah, do you remember That's that like movie? a famous bad movie. 
yeah. with Michael J. Fox, right? I believe he's in it. Yeah, he's like very young in it. Um, I kind of want to rewatch that because now I'm like, what? We I bet they're at a mall together in the middle of the night. They're just Maybe like running exciting. around having this big hunt. game. Yeah, I that's like a, a legendary bad movie. Well, I'm gonna legendarily watch it. Okay, I'll watch it with you. You're not gonna watch. No, it. No, I will. Okay, I love that movie. Did you? Yeah, okay. I, I watched it with our friend Eric. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've also been trying to find Rin and Stimpy, the cartoon, because I've had a real hankering for watching that again. And that is not available anywhere. Now, I am aware that the um, the creator of Rin and Stimpy got me toot a little while ago. I'm not obviously not condoning any of that stuff. Um, however, Ren and Stimpy is still kind of was very fundamental in my uh, upbringing. Very formative for me because it's weird and gross and bizarre. There's no cartoon like it. There's no cartoon like it. So if anybody knows how to find it... Uh, I'll, I'll, let me know. We watched HMU. That. HMU. We watched a movie. We had a real '90s weekend. We did. We watched a movie that I had never seen. A very, very, a huge cultural touchstone, Oof. which we realized honestly did not make a lot of money at the box office. Surprised to know. Completely surprised me. Reality bites. Reality. I had not bites. seen it. Directed by Ben Stiller. Written by a woman, which is very exciting. Yeah. A lot of movies weren't written by women. Um, I will say, watching that movie, I realized mm. uh, <laughs> it defined cool for a period where being cool was the most important thing to me. So mm-hmm. I was obviously very... But you'd never seen it. I'd never seen it. Okay. But so much of that, like Ethan Hawke's hair, the way Winona yeah. Ryder looked, she like defined a type Gosh. of beauty for like years and years and years. N- nary a bra in the movie. <laughs> There's nary a bra. She's great in the movie. She's so good. Obviously. So is Janine. So is Janine Groffalo's great. Steve, Steve Zahn, Zahn is, is amazing great. in it. Yeah. Um, I want to say so. So so watching that movie was interesting because it made me, it made me feel really hopeful. And I was like, is it just because? Because then I realized like '90s. When I think back on '90s, it feels like a very hopeful time. Um, I, as I said, I've been feeling nostalgic mm-hmm. lately, and that's one of the eras. And is it because that's when I was sort of becoming an adult like when this movie came out i was probably like early to mid-teens yeah. was it that but i didn't like my life really so i don't think that was yeah. it i think it just felt like i don't know why but it felt maybe you know the the berlin wall had come down it just felt like there were like good changes happening exciting stuff was happening you're talking about that period of time or are you talking about this movie specifically i'm talking about the period okay. of time and that this movie being a big like touchstone from that period of time right yeah um, I don't know. Watching it made me like, it made me uh, excited. And it also made me sad that I don't, uh, unfortunately, I don't see the world that I, as I saw it back then. I'm Yeah, it's weird when that happens, right? <clears throat> right. It just felt like it was full of promise and like sunshine. And now it doesn't always feel like that for many, many reasons. I, um, I used to think the world was full of mystery and full of like, there's like, cool hidden stuff right like, you'll never know but maybe when you get older you'll figure it out and i think the fuck of it all for me is growing up and realizing like there's really not that much cool hidden stuff and the stuff that is hidden you don't want to it's not good well i was you know that's why i love the x-files a lot yeah um exactly because it made the world feel bigger and weird exactly it makes the world feel bigger and like there's all kinds of stuff lurking right that's cool i'll say two things on that one it is hard because you know if I, I read these scientific like breakthroughs and stuff and we know so much that when there's a new one, it's not exciting because it makes no sense to me. It'll be like, this thing is actually this thing. And now there's these tachyons or whatever it is. I'm like, I don't, it's hard for me to emotionally connect to that. Right. 
The other thing I will say, I do find that there, for me, is still magic and mystery in the world, uh, in people and in relationships with people. So I do think there's still magic in the world. It's not like the Loch Ness Monster or the things that, although I do believe in aliens, so that's a whole thing. Let's talk about that next week. Can we talk about alien shit next week? Maybe it's not like the X-Files kind of weirdness. And it's sad. One of the big things that X-Files is about is um, small towns becoming homogenized. That's a big thing that mm-hmm. X-Files is about. And then these weird things are sort of getting stamped out. And, and some of them are fighting back. But I do think that there is magic in getting to know people, friendships, love, relationships, all that. Boring. <laughs> but I do feel like that. Anyway. I think I think that's beautiful. I my stuff was always like I wanted to know about like, ooh, that looks like a department store, but that's actually there's like a nightclub hidden under there. And right. It's a cool. All the cool people are there. I kept being like, the cool people have to be somewhere. Do you know what I mean? Like right. that was my feeling growing up was like the cool people, I know they exist. They have to be somewhere. And then I got lucky enough to find that there was a small punk club and uh, coffee shop in my hometown that became like my my life and became where I yeah, hung out all the time. Yeah, and you still are friends with people you met there. hundred percent. About Reality Bites. Oh, you know, God. It was yeah. also, sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah, Reality Bites. That's I, I have more to say about it, too. That's going to be about a, reality bites? a real tirade. Right. Well, it's also because they're basically out of college. They're at this cusp. And at that point for them, it's like, am I going to be a sellout or am I going to be an artist? That's yeah. one of the things that the movie That's movie's. a big theme of the movie. That's a big theme of the movie. And Personified like, in the two love interests. Yeah, Ben Stiller and Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Um, or as my mom would call him, Ethan Hawkins. Ethan Hawkins. <laughs> um, Ethan, Ethan Hawkins is great in the movie. Beautiful. <sighs> And like such a, he's such a great actor. Already you see this movie and you're like, oh, he's not just some like beautiful hunk. This guy is a serious He's actor, tremendous actor. in it. However, however, <laughs> he's a piece he's of a, shit in the movie. Such a piece of shit. What a, I learned awful lessons from that movie. Uh, man, that movie and so many other things have like the thing of women having to wanting to fix guys. Yes. Going with like the bad boy. Yes. Just, ben Stiller is great in the movie. He's great. And he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do anything he wrong. He turned over the footage and then it was whatever their version of MTV was. That and he it offered up. to fix it. He and offered it's to weird. fix it. The whole movie is about her making this documentary. Wanting and, it to mean something. And then at the end, she gives it up to go with the sad boy with pretty hair. Because his dad died? Get out of here. Yeah. It's such a bummer. And I love the movie. And I think there's a lot of great And again, this is not about it. Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke yeah. is truly amazing. But the her lesson that she gets is she abandons the documentary at the end of the movie. At the, okay. At the start of the movie, she's graduated from college. She has this documentary she's been working on. She has a job in the industry and uh, she's not dating anyone. At the end of the movie, she has abandoned her documentary. She does not have a job and she has moved in with a scumbag who was crashing on her couch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who, uh, there's that one argument they have where uh, Ethan Hawke's like, you don't know what she needs. And then Ben Stiller turns around and goes, I know what she needs in a way that you never will. Right. Which is both true and condescending. Right. It sure <laughs> is. It sure is. Why are they? She's not even a participant. It's like, they're going to fight over her. She'll take whoever's It's so left. weird that the movie that's from her perspective yes. is really, some of those big moments are with those guys. But I will say Ben Stiller did an amazing job directing He truly did. Movie. It's, it's like I a, mean, it's a it's, great movie. It's a great movie. Great lines. I have just learned... I learned from that movie some pretty shitty lessons of like, yeah, you're supposed to be with a guy who kind of treats you awful. And then at the end has one thing that he says to you that's emotional. 
and you're like, whoa. Oh, I'll melt for you. I and I and I think this was talked about in Rachel Bloom's show, uh, Crazy Ex Girlfriend, where she even had a song of like, if there's a guy who gives you just one drip, one droplet of attention, and you're just waiting, you're waiting for the for the faucet to get turned on all the way, but you're just getting drop drop and then the rest of the time they're an artist consumed with themselves well he's not even an artist he, he does what is he? nothing he's in a band oh, called he's... hey that's my bike he does that's a good name <laughs> that's a good name i, I also want to say i probably have a little bit of uh I, i'm like predisposed to not like guys like that you like know, Ethan guys, Hawk? just character? his character in the yeah. movie because troy. troy first of all for second of all uh beautiful yeah cool Great hair. Oh, I wanted to do all them, things for I sure. hated uh, with boys, and also I was a philosophy major. I've been with guys who are up their own ass about like this God. philosophical shit. You know, like I, I love doing philosophy. I loved it, and I liked like the pie in the sky, shoegazing stuff too. But for me, it was really about like sort of the practical application mm. of philosophy that was interesting. And then those people who are just like questioning shit just to question shit. <laughs> Drove me up the wall. I think a lot of men use that as a uh, opportunity to keep from feeling being in their lives, to keep from uh, feeling things, to keep from it. Like they intellectualize themselves out of existence. Chelsea Peretti had a great bit yeah. that I always remember of, like him of like Chelsea's like, I was dating this guy and he was like, well, oh, what is a chair? When you really think about it, like what makes a chair a chair? And she's like, Sh- did you cheat on me or not? Like, yeah. please stop Don't, cheating like, on me. Question yeah. <laughs> the very basics of all the shit that we've but agreed I, on is true. Yeah, it's a great movie. It's an interesting movie to look at now. Uh, it's still a very good movie. Soundtrack still kicks ass. It's still amazing. Lisa Loeb's Day, which, by the way, was the song I would sing to an empty room at the end of every one of our um, stand-up shows because I loved singing that song so much. Uh, and I want to say, and I can't sing. It was the first number one song uh, ever by an unsigned artist. And it didn't. You say, yeah, uh, stay. (laughs) And the other one was uh, Macklemore. So that's how long it had been since Lisa Loeb. So the second unsigned artist to have a number one was Macklemore. I thought when you told me that the other night, I thought you were saying that was the only video Ethan Hawke has ever directed because he directed until Macklemore. Until and then I, I remember I was in bed and I was like going to sleep and I was like. Ethan Hawke directed a Macklemore video? Weird. Yeah. <laughs> but I let that go. Um, the, uh, 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 the other thing we've been doing together, shall we say. What is it? Oh, Final Fantasy Seven. <sighs> the remake. Speaking of nostalgia, this is... You, you should, I've never played this okay. game. So I played this game. Uh, the year was 97. And my high school boyfriend and I um, hunkered down in his bedroom and played this game obsessively, passing the strategy guide back and forth that we had spent. It was a dog-eared strategy guide. I loved this game so much. And here's what's crazy about the remake. It's like completely redone. Basically, and it's a really good idea because that's a, the game had a good story, had good characters, good everything, but people aren't going to go back and play a game from 1997. Right. So they just redid the graphics of the game and also changed the fighting style a bit. Because right. it Apparently used to be the story is different too a little bit, but I don't the know. Sto- yeah. And it's interesting because I some of the stuff we've been doing so far, we just started. I'm like, I don't particularly remember this. I remember like the big stuff. but I, And so clearly they're like filling it in with like other other kind of side it, quests. It, it's like a game that was made today. It's like a game that was made today, but it has the bones of the game that I played in 1997. And it's been such a fun experience to play a game I played in a like my boyfriend's parents' house in his bedroom. Like he had a video game chair, so we would take turns sitting in that. 
You remember video game chairs. They yeah, sat on the ground. And, uh, After college. It was a beautiful... I had a fun time with him, but replaying it with you has been really, really beautiful. I will say, uh, this is a mm. game that is like a legendary, one of the best games of all time. Mm. Like, Final Fantasy VII shows up, like best games ever made Final Fantasy and VII shows accurate. up. Yeah, uh, I've never played it, but when we hit... And I've been a video game guy my whole life. When we started playing the game and the music came on, you started crying. <laughs> Speaking of weird shit that made you cry. I, that's not even weird. <laughs> no, you just immediately uh, started crying. I, it was just really lovely to hear the music again. Yeah, it's it's like you'll get little glimpses. They're doing a good job of giving you little glimpses of the old game for those of us who have played it. But for a person who'd never played it, which is you, it's you don't feel like you're like, you don't feel like it's like being aimed at someone who. No, it's exactly, like a new right? game. It's great. I love it. Cloud Strife, Tifa Lockhart, Barrett. We'll meet some Sephiroth. others. Sephiroth. Sephiroth. Uh, and what does suck is that when I played it as a teenager, we... Please, no spoilers, because you're... No, I, I'm very This bad is at a that weakness. Item. We renamed all the characters, because that's something you can do. Right. And I hate that. It's embarrassing. And you would name them, like, Buttface and stuff. No, you still I mean, do that. Okay, yeah, that's true. London Broil. <laughs> yeah, London Broil was our character <laughs> that's on... That's a great name. Borderlands. Yeah. London Broil is great. I think I did a, a Ford... I did like... I would do cars, a lot of car names too. Anyway. It's just nonsense. We didn't do funny stuff. We were doing like what we thought was like badass gangster stuff. So uh, you don't remember the names I of do. Them. It's just... It's truly too embarrassing for me to talk okay. about. Okay. Um, and so that's what's weird is that my memory of a lot of the characters is of them having completely different names. So I'm having to like reconnect to Cloud. Helpful. Yeah. Helpful. Uh, the other thing that we have... We love, and this is not a recommendation because we love this and most people don't. We love horror movies. Correct. And in this quarantine, in the weirds, we had not been watching horror movies. We'd sort of been watching like really good stuff or stuff that uh, we missed. And we'd been sort of like watching sort of aspirational stuff, right? And it's been great. Mm -hmm. And then this weekend we were like, oh, we haven't seen, we love schlocky horror movies. We haven't seen them in a while. So we asked our friends who are into this stuff, and we saw two of them. We saw a movie called Waxwork starring oh, Zach Galligan. So good. So weird. We are not recommending this to you unless you really are into horror and schlock and, like, good, bad movies and that stuff. Not because, We're being very careful. Not because it's, like, beyond you, but because it's, like, you're probably not going to enjoy it. You're not going to enjoy yeah, it. So you just if won't. you're into this, then you're into it, Waxwork. And there's Waxwork 2, which we're going to watch this weekend. And... Friday the 13th. I love horror movies. I never liked the Friday the 13th franchise. He's, he's too slow. So I asked my friends, uh, what's the best Friday the 13th movie? I've seen the first two. I think I've he's, seen all of them. He said the fourth and the sixth one. The fourth one is Final Chapter. The sixth one is Jason Lives. We watched the Final Chapter, the fourth one, <laughs> with Corey Feldman. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Corey Feldman doing the Lord's work. He's great Especially in, it. in the end of the movie. So at the end of the movie, he like shaves his head. And Emily kept singing The World is a Vampire. He because looks he so looks, much like Billy Corgan. He looks like a little Billy And he Corgan. put like eye makeup on around his eyes. And he, I'm going to get hiccups from laughing. He, he looks so much like Billy Corgan. Every time he came on screen, I would be like, the world is a vampire. It's such a funny <laughs> visual. It's this little kid fighting this giant monster. And he looks just like Billy Corgan. Billy Corgan has been giving us some fun stuff uh, for years. Uh, him at, at Disneyland, getting papped at Disneyland, uh, looking unhappy on a ride. Perfect. Uh, on the cover of that magazine, holding two cats. Yeah. Cat and uh, fighting uh, Jason at the end and of the final chapter. Jason at the end of final chapter. Uh, <laughs> Again, it's so funny and it's so hard to unsee once you mention it. It's, this is just for just us. Just look this up the picture, Corey Feldman, end of... 
Friday the 13th, the final chapter. He looks just like Billy Corgan. Uh, again, we're not recommending these unless you're right. really, really, really into this nonsense because that is what it is. It's yeah. it's, it's sheer nonsense. Um, I also just want to randomly mention uh, a work of a friend of mine, but work that I appreciated before I was friends with her. Sam Irby is an author that I am um, have become pals with through the internet. Um, and then we've hung out despite the title of one of her books, uh, we have hung out. <laughs> She's wonderful. And she has written three books, Meaty, uh, We Are Never Meeting in Real Life. Haha, ha, we have. And the newest one is called Wow, No Thank You. They're short stories. Um, she is a fellow uh, immunobody, doesn't have the same thing that I have and, and has like different issues, but we kind of bonded over illness stuff. Uh, and some of her essays are about that, but she is just ridiculously funny, so talented, so beautiful, so wonderful. If you're looking for something to read, read Sam Irby's work. Um, all right. Well, thanks again for listening. Do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, oh, I'll just say it again. I'll say it until the movie comes out. Um, I did a movie with... May 22nd! Issa Rae called The Lovebirds. Comes out May 22nd on Netflix. Was going to come out in theaters. Didn't happen. It's coming out are. Netflix. Yeah. I'm very, very excited. I wish it was coming out even sooner, but May 22nd is when it comes out. Um, I you love... guys had a very cute ad uh, like that you did of We had an announced FaceTime video, yeah. FaceTime call. I mean, I'm such a huge fan of Issa's. Um, Insecure is back. It's great. She's she, she was just so great to work with. And hope we get to work together again. But May 22nd, Netflix, The Lovebirds. Uh Anything you want to plug? I would like to plug um, parents. Get your shit together. Stop fucking around. <laughs> Stop fucking around. I don't know. Parents. If, uh, I don't know. But I think my parents are actively lying to me about how uh, how good they're being in the pandemic. I don't know if you guys can relate to that. But uh, my parents uh, will like giggle when they tell me that they're like being safe. Oh no! You know? Oh no! I know. If you guys are listening. Take care of yourselves, please. I need it. I we need are worried. We need you to do it. But I feel like a lot of people's parents are kind of fla- flouting. Uh, and by the way, they believe it's real. They're not like out protesting. None of that stuff. But they just, uh, I, and I think they are taking it seriously. I just think, it's as my sister said, it's a, it's a reversal from when we were kids and we would sneak out all the time and they would be like, come home, just come home and be home and be home on time. And now we're kind of saying it to them. As far as I know, they're being safe be safe parents that's what i'm plugging please do please be safe uh email us at staying in podcast at gmail.com you're um, never gonna know it uh, there it is staying in podcast at gmail.com thank you oh and give us a good review please last time we mentioned it we got a bunch Did more we? reviews Great. yeah review us all that stuff helps. say you say you like to listen show. to the ads uh go buy the things that are from the sponsors because that only goes to help people who are being affected yeah. by covid and as we see this is going longer and longer mm. uh people are gonna need it so thanks for listening thanks stay for safe listening. everybody farewell girl be tempting the girl be sweet your life hair your treat kumel 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 amazing hair